Greetings, friends, and welcome to the pilot episode of How To Wrestling, the world's first wrestling audio podcast detailing how to wrestling, how to get into wrestling, how to understand wrestling, and goodness knows, maybe even how to enjoy wrestling. Everyone, you've probably heard my voice before. My name's Kevin Mann, and I host the Attitude Era podcast, alongside Cinema Swirl, and continuing this tradition of taking people who I know and care about, who don't know much about things, and then telling them about things so I feel better about myself. It's uh, going to be doing a little bit about how-to wrestling alongside my co-host, Joanna Graham. Hello. Hi, Joe. How are things? Things are good. I guess I should introduce myself. Uh, my name's Joe. And I've been watching wrestling for around a year, a bit longer than that, which is also the same amount of time we've been going out. And I write for Calling Spots magazine, and I'm the editor-in-chief of an independent surreal zine called Fish, which is spelt G-H-O-T-I. Right, the idea of this podcast, and please folks do treat this very much as, as a pilot episode, because it is, it's a different concept and how we're going to go about doing things, which we'll get into in the later part of this episode. Uh, the idea is basically professional wrestling. It's something that obviously I'm quite passionate about and quite clued up on. But that's obviously come with many, many years of watching wrestling and obsessing about wrestling and also doing a podcast about wrestling. But I've kind of felt that, you know, there's not anything out there for folks to try and get into wrestling. And Joanna, you came, I don't know, a while ago and said to me that you wanted to you know, start watching some stuff and... What was that experience like for you, basically trying to decide to get into wrestling, and what was that about? I decided to get into wrestling, this is ridiculous, I decided when I saw a post on Tumblr that was equating wrestling to, like, My Little Pony, and saying that the kind of the same idea of the audience with uh, grown men taking My Little Pony away from girls, that there should be some kind of movement to do the same to fully grown men, and so I love the idea of, like, this hyper-masculine male activity, this sport, could be taken away by, like, teen girls. So that's when I first became, like, interested in the idea. Because like, before you and I met, that definitely was something... Yeah. That I think I know that people, when we started the Outsider podcast, it was a thing at the time, The Shield had just started. So obviously you had three very handsy boys in their own right, in Roman Reigns and Seth Rollins and Dean Ambrose. And uh, that obviously was taking Tumblr by storm and got quite a, a number of new fans, which I thought was really great to see some, you know, different people interested in wrestling. But did you find that it was difficult after that interest was peaked, like where to start or? Yeah, no, I had no, I, I didn't really try to get into wrestling properly until after I met you and you said that you liked it. Um, because I, it's, it's so hard to get into wrestling. How, how did I admit to you that I liked wrestling? Because that's a shameful admission. I think, I think you admitted you were you had a podcast about it before you admitted you liked wrestling. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it's, I think one thing about this podcast as well is that not just helping people get into wrestling, but maybe help those of us who are mad into wrestling, because it's, it's hard to come across someone who's just kind of like, ah, oh, yeah, I like a bit of wrestling. The people who are saying that are just people who are trying to cover up their own fandom. It's very hard not to be super into wrestling and to get really passionate about it. And I yeah. think a lot of us scare off loved ones and friends and family with, or frankly, terrifying obsessions sometimes. Because I'll be the first one off the bat, when you said you want to start watching wrestling, I was like, I'm you not good at it. not. All. I was no girlfriend of mine. <laughs> you just would not. You. I don't think. I think I said something along the lines of, "Hey, I'm really interested in getting involved." And you were like, "Hmm." Kind of brushed it aside very politely, and I kind of don't think that's going to happen. I don't think I've ever successfully introduced anyone to wrestling before. Well, yeah, it's a difficult one even here because I, I kind of went away and did my own research and asked other friends. Yeah. Uh, but it was because I met you that like I wanted to give that a shot. But just so we're all clear, I didn't force you, didn't you to watch it. In fact, you were discouraging. <laughs> yeah, I was actively discouraging, which made it all the more appealing. And it was only until after I'd watched a few Mick Foley matches on YouTube, and I sent you a text saying, like, Mick Foley's the best or something. And after that, you seemed suddenly a bit like, okay, my new girlfriend has good taste. That's all right then. Yeah, because I do recall a very early memory of showing you... You know, I always say it's like, oh, if you want to get someone into wrestling, don't just show them the most spectacular match because they'll get did. unrealistic <laughs> expectations. Very happy to admit that on a very early day, I was like, oh yeah, Undertaker versus Mankind, Hell in a Cell, nineteen ninety eight. This is wrestling. But that wasn't the first <laughs> ever wrestling I'd seen. That was just the first you showed me. Yeah. Um. So I had already seen a bit of like the Rock and Sock, um, stuff. Uh, so You're a big fan of the me. Rock and Sock connection. I loved it. I don't know if you remember. I drew fan art. You did. Of it. 
we found it the other day. It's adorable fan art of just Mick Foley and The Rock. Kissing. So here's a question then. Obviously, you know, the interest was piqued because you obviously you knew someone who was into it and you wanted to, to start watching. You you went and you found a few matches and whatnot. But from there, I do recall quite early on you trying to watch a SummerSlam and it being yeah. rather confusing. So the way I kind of started, so I, I looked at Mick Foley, watched a couple of his matches... The Rock was in them, so I started watching a little bit of The Rock, and I kind of, as new wrestlers came into videos that I was watching, I kind of watched a few of theirs, mm-hmm. but it was mainly Mick Foley for about the first four months of me getting into wrestling, and then yeah, I went around to yours and Adam's house, and you were watching SummerSlam, and I was like, oh yeah, I'm gonna love this, it's gonna be awesome. It's a different and show, so <laughs> much to, yeah. What I you absolutely was bored to death, I just because I didn't understand what was going on, yeah. I didn't know who anyone was. Mick Foley wasn't there. What's the point? There's a problem with getting into wrestling. It's like if you want to start watching Neighbours tomorrow and you've never watched Neighbours tomorrow, right? But there's so many neighbours and you have to know all of their allegiances (laughs) and all the neighbours are fighting each other. Sometimes the fans get really angry about why the neighbours are fighting and it's... it can be, I think, the fandom, particularly you, obviously, are on Twitter. What was it like maybe watching some early shows and stuff and then seeing people on Twitter and stuff like that? Were they, because people speak about insider terms and... Yeah, I didn't really come across a huge amount of live tweeting of matches until I'd been into the wrestling for a bit, at least sort of around six months or so, because I didn't, the only people I really followed who were into wrestling at that point were you and Adam. Yeah. So it was fairly easy to not come across too many terms so the only ones i really heard were in conversation with you guys with mm. uh heel and, and shoot shoot was a big one face yeah kayfabe no i mean i've heard that one since but i don't yeah. think that's a particular one that comes up much right we'll say this now okay each episode of how to wrestling we're going to tackle uh, a different topic it could be a wrestler it could be something about like wrestling terminology, which we just talked about, or kind of a thing that we see in wrestling, like a type of match. But we will be also, you know, looking at individual shows, maybe, you know, things that happen in wrestling, kind of, you know, yearly or stuff like that. The idea is that if you target the episodes of How to Wrestling, you should be able to piece together a working knowledge of wrestling and be able to enjoy the current show in its own format, but also have that much-needed appreciation of, of what's gone by. Because a very difficult thing, I think, about getting interesting is even if you're someone and you go and you watch the shows that are on now and you get super clued up and all that, okay? Most wrestling fans are going to be going on about shit that happened 15, 20 well, that's years what ago. happened in WrestleMania this year. Because, like, I've been watching wrestling over a year now. And at WrestleMania, was it 31? Yeah. This, this year's one? Um a whole load of old guys who I had no, I still don't know who they are. I mean, it's been explained to me, but it's so confusing. Yeah. And they just turned up, and then more old guys turned up. And then even, I mean, it was just... And just for the record, those old guys were showing up to a fight where two old guys already were there. Yeah. So you had, like, 20 old guys. But <laughs> So even though I kind of, I knew everyone who was already had, like, a set match for that show, I had no idea who these guys were. So it meant that I was so confused. Well, it's, yeah, and that's funny, because even though you knew why Triple H and Sting were fighting, and you were kind of clued up on, on those guys in the storyline, but still then, wrestling's past reveals itself and makes you feel bad if you don't understand stand at all and yeah. it's you know it's it's got at times wrestling is such a short-term memory but then at other times it's kind of like of course this is happening yeah. how don't you understand that it's wrestling this has always this been the way storylines on the main show at the moment which absolutely it's almost like previous shows just just didn't exist yeah. didn't happen like especially with the divas yeah. like god <laughs> yeah. they will just pick and choose what side they're on as it goes and yet they'll bring back these old characters yeah without any explanation who they are they bring back say batista for instance and they're kind of like of course you know who batista was don't you remember 2005 mate all i remember him from is from that film yeah well, you liked him in that film though, i loved you? him in that film yeah he was very good in i that didn't film. like batista before until i'd seen him in that film and now i think he's great now if only randy orton could be in Guardians of the Galaxy That's 2. What I want. That's what we want. <laughs> um, one thing I will say then, another, this is a, a giant asterisk, I suppose, being put beside how to wrestling, but for the most part, because we're trying to get on a working knowledge of the main show and the main body of wrestling, we're going to be focusing on WWE. That's not saying that we're not going to do special episodes where we look at other wrestling that's out there, other wrestling organizations before everyone goes and tells me how awesome you know their favorite show is. We're not ignoring that, but I think what is important about WWE, whether we like it or not, is that that's the history and also the present and very much the future, if you know Mm -hmm. what I mean. Everything that happened in the past, all the big names of the past, even if they were in different companies, 
that's now WWE's canon because they've bought everything. I have a question about that actually because like you say WWE as the show, mm-hmm. but I mean they're more than that, aren't they? They're like a conglomerate or something. They're massive. Oh yeah, they're a billion dollar industry. Yeah, right. That's the other thing that confused me when I was getting into it because you you hear about WWE and then all these other ones as well, mm. and I didn't understand if it was just a program or a show or a company. It's they. Again, that's not really... Well, hopefully later on in, in this very broadcast, we're going to do a brief potted history of the organisation. So we'll hopefully make some sense, and that will hopefully make people realise, or irrational at least, for focusing on WWE. Another reason for that as well is that a tool, I think, for to go alongside your How To Wrestling podcast, folks, is a subscription to the WWE Network, because everything we're going to be watching for this, for each topic, we're going to try and distill it down to maybe five or so moments, segments, matches, whatever it is. Hopefully all of which we can find on the network, which is available for an undisclosed sum of money <laughs> uh, at a monthly or yearly fee. I can't We're not paid enough remember. by WWE to disclose that information. I know. I if, if you paid us anything, we tell them. Yeah. But you don't pay us anything. <laughs> so here we are, you know. What I was going to ask as well, I mean, like, do you watch much of the main show then? Do you watch Raw? No, or? I mean, I only really, because it's on, what is it, on a Sunday evening? It's really? on Monday night, on yeah. On Monday night, it's like in the and middle of the night. And it's not on the network. And I, I'm an adult with a job, which unfortunately isn't very flexible with letting me uh, take time off to just listen to wrestling and watch wrestling and stuff. So I've only seen the occasional ones uh, maybe once or twice a month, I might yeah. say it. Try and catch the pay-per-views as yeah. well, which are the bigger shows at the Yeah, end exactly. Of the yeah, no, I definitely... So. I'm not, like, a regular watcher. There is one thing, though, which you do definitely don't miss every week, which I know, because <laughs> uh, you, you nag me to make sure that I, I, I watch it with you. Honey, can you take the NXT? Ooh, I love NXT. Blo- hey, guys at home. Women, am I right? Always on their bloody NXT. God, <laughs> am I right? That's relatable. So, NXT. NXT is the... Other brand associated with WWE, it's almost like the training uh, grounds yeah. for their big stars. A lot of the big stars who are currently on the main show came from NXT. So yeah, NXT is obviously a show that you're quite fond of. What is it about NXT, for, which is also available on the network, um, what is it about that that appeals to you? Well, it's what got me into sort of modern wrestling, really, because the storylines are really quite easy to get into from any point. Mm-hmm. Um, when I started watching, I think there was a feud going on between uh, two wrestlers, Charlotte and Bailey, and it was pretty clear what was... Oh, and Sasha Banks as well. It was pretty clear what was going on. The setup yeah. was explained um nice recap videos yeah yeah lots of recap videos and it wasn't something that had been going on for ages mm. and even the, the storylines which have been going on for quite a long time they are they are good at recapping them yeah there's two things i really like about nxt one is the wrestling style mm. which is really flip de do amazing acrobatics <laughs> i mean it's just fantastic and there is some of that on the main show because that's why i like about but, it is that for people who are out there wondering, what should I show people to get them into it? And the tendency is to be like me and be like, oh, hell in a cell, ladder match, barbed wire. You know, you you feel a strong urge because people have such a grievance of, oh, it's fake. Go, I'll yeah, show I you would, fake. I would say the downside to doing that is it doesn't really show the advantage of like what is really so amazing about it, which is how fun it is. Yes. And the hell in a cell match is amazing. It is still one of my favorite matches, but it doesn't really properly show just how fun wrestling is. It doesn't be. encapsulate the no. kind of the, whoa, the did you see what, you know, and, yeah. and you say like flippy do like that athletic style, I think. You'd have to have a heart of stone to watch yeah. some of those guys in NXT who flip around and jump off the ropes with such grace. Like, you would, honestly, even if you think wrestling is the stupidest thing ever and you say, well, look at this dance. Yeah. You know, and they'll see Sami Zayn flipping around on Cesaro or whatever and they'll be like, okay, that's amazing. I Actually, think it is breathtaking. I showed my mum a wrestling clip today because we were talking about wrestling and I was saying, oh, it's changed a lot since, you know, when you saw it back when you were a bit younger. And I sent her a clip to a match between Sami Zayn and Adrian Neville on NXT. And it has loads of flip de doo bits and I'd put classical music over the top to make it look like they're dancing. <laughs> and I could hear her on the other side of the phone going, wow, oh my God. And like, that's what wrestling should be yeah. at its essence. And I think another big advantage I think about NXT, I don't know if it was one you were going to mention, but the fact that it's an hour long. Yeah, it's Ooh, nice and short. Guess how long the normal show is, folks, at home. It's three hours. Oh. So if you want to watch Raw, that's three hours. That's every week. Every week. 
that's so much of that. I love wrestling. That's, and then you've got NXT as well. And then you've got what other shows too? You've got SmackDown also is another show. So is that another weekly one? And then that's another weekly one. That's two hours. Then you have Main Event, which is another weekly show, which is an hour. Wait, then you have Main Superstars. Event isn't the same as Raw, then. No, that's a different show. Oh my god. Then there's Superstars, which is another hour. So if you've got Raw, three hours. SmackDown, two hours. That's five. Main Event, that's six. Superstars, that's seven. NXT, that's eight. You've got yourself a full working week there. Eight hours of wrestling a week. Okay, and then on top of that, at the at this current point in time, summer 2015, we're looking for pay-per-views every three or four weeks, it seems. Which, is again, is another three hours. So you're talking about, on average, of around nine or ten hours of wrestling per week, just from WWE. Jesus Christ. And that's why we're not going to be touching the two hours of TNA and Ring of Honor and Lucha Underground and (laughs) all the other shows that are out there. That's really one of the reasons why it's so complicated. I mean, the fact that I've been watching wrestling now for over a year and I still don't know the difference between the main shows. Yeah. For the most part. But yeah, the other thing I really love about NXT is definitely the amount of screen time and the the developed storylines that the women get. Yes. It's so much better. I mean, the Charlottes... uh... It's just funny that you can find more time for... Obviously, the women get a lot more time on on the NXT, which is great. But even just everyone seems to get more time to tell their story on an hour-long show compared to a three-hour show where some people seem to not get a a look in. But yeah, um, right. What we're going to do now couple of questions the main ones for people first getting into wrestling and i'm going to try and answer them with the best of my ability okay so first question i think this one is one which usually when us as wrestling fans and those of you at home who are listening you've been guilty of this when you get asked this you usually get one very defensive two usually kind of bright pink in the face <laughs> and three then you go and do something like show them hell in the cell and mcfoley and it's like, oh, like he mcfoley died for you it's not... so what is the question joe is it Fake. <laughs> fake. That's a that's a dirty word. That's what that is. You know, that's a dirty <laughs> word. My father's not fake. I'm. I'm gonna have to keep keep it to myself that I'm gonna have to drop hardcore wrestling references that you won't necessarily get. But just so you know, that question you just asked there, there are certain wrestlers who would fight you because of what you just said. Well, they'd fight me. For using that word. I'm only little. The F word. <laughs> the the fake. It's not fake. It's, it's, that's a bogus word. Is wrestling fake? I think the main thing people take from that is, are the outcomes predetermined? Okay? Is the outcome of Phil Mitchell's wedding determined? You know, mate, don't you dare call EastEnders fake. You know, is Phil Mitchell <laughs> would fight you if you He's said real. that. Is the is the face of Brookside Clothes the very face? <laughs> you know, is that predetermined? Yes, it is. I think a great helpful one that people always say. Vince McMahon likes to say this one as well, which is view it as it's a soap opera action adventure soap yeah. opera with muscles that's and accurate. pyro. So yeah, of course, it's scripted. Of course it is. Now, the other side of that, though, is is it completely harm-free? Is everyone involved there completely safe? Is there any is there any pain involved? Is there, you know, that's, I think, on that end of things... That's the thing, isn't it? Because the wrestling moves themselves, it's not like they are entirely as truthful as you're led to believe. Obviously, the, they, There's they, cooperation, though. Obviously, yeah, exactly. moves get pulled off. Obviously, both guys have to work together yeah. for the move to be pulled off and for them to land But the safely. way I see that is just the same as you teach yourself how to fall over properly and mm. land safely. It's well, just the same thing. It's still dangerous. Here's the thing. Even, you, you and I are, say we're, we're wrestling in our hypothetical wrestling promotion that is totally cool. That is completely okay with intergender wrestling, right. okay? And is, has leveled the playing field. But, like, I want to give you a basic move or whatever. We both work together to make sure that, you know, both of us can pull it off and our weight shifts correctly. But the end result of that move, generally, is going to involve one person falling, usually on their back, onto the mat. Yeah. Now, a wrestling mat, folks, is not made out of marshmallows or candy or any any soft food and like nougat or anything like that it is canvas okay but it's got bouncy springs there are springs it. in there but Sometimes. what you are still landing on and the amount of spring depends on the company right but there are springs there there is protection but you are still hitting a hard surface yeah and i will tell you as someone who's watched wrestling all his life and had it several times ago and i could probably do that <laughs> like i know guys who train wrestlers and like they say that they can tell the first thing they get you to do in wrestling when you're trading is just to fall on your back in the ring. Just fall. Mm. Fall over. On your back. Arms out. And 
you can tell straight away if that person's going to become a wrestler yeah. or not. Because if you can't, it's it's sore. You're landing on your back. I mean, it's no way it wouldn't be sore. Yeah. That's the thing. I mean, no matter how you fall, I mean, sure, there's ways to reduce the amount of, course, of pain you reduce and do it, it safely. You spread out the, the, the blows on your back. You but put your arms out. Some of these guys are falling from like six plus feet. That's going to sting. Exactly. And some of these guys are like, you know, jumping off high distances yeah. with the velocity that your body goes through. So I think that's one thing I definitely want to point out. Yes, predetermined, obviously, okay? That's not that's not been a secret for you know, you're not telling someone that Santa isn't real, okay? We've it's been widespread. They themselves then it's in the title, World Wrestling Entertainment. WWE is very aware of this fact. They they don't hide it. Yeah. I think so, it's a bit weird the way some people get so like Oh, it's fake it's though. It's fake, isn't it? It's fake. Like they really want these people to be seriously injuring each other. Like, okay, go elsewhere for that. Like yeah, I mean, illegal it's... boxing, like bare knuckle <laughs> like Jesus, get your kick somewhere else. So. Well I think the reason is is that you're not watching this for the spirit of competition, so to speak. You don't actually want your favourite wrestler to end up in hospital. No, what you're watching this for is they're using the arena of sports to tell a story, basically. Yeah, and there's an amazing know? athleticism, like definitely. And when I found out, you know, and I watched an ex, I've only seen one expose I think on wrestling, and it showed just a few of the moves how they make them a bit safer and mm. how they do it cooperatively, and it made me just appreciate so much more how talented they are and mm. how much more difficult it is than it looks. Yeah, definitely. Because actually stopping someone else from hurting themselves is harder, way harder than just injuring other people. It takes yeah. way more strength and talent, I think. I know things as well people might want to know about who decides who's going to win and who's going to lose. That's something that's always interested me. Yeah, well you have basically, over the years there's usually felt that one person takes up a role in wrestling, what's known as the booker. Right, if you're the booker, you book the show. By booking the show, you put up, you match up the feuds, the storylines, who's going to fight who, and then you decide the winners and losers in those individual matches leading up to the end of that feud, basically. Okay, does the booker, is that someone who's in the show as well as a character? Sometimes, not necessarily. Some bookers have remained behind the scenes. Okay. Some bookers have been booking while they have been on the show. Some bookers have even booked themselves to become the champion, for their own personal benefit. Is that allowed? It's 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 a bit like insider trading almost. It's right. not it's it friend like by House Henry. of Cards. Like. Kinda, yeah. <laughs> Frank Underwood leading his way up to the vice president. I will be the world heavyweight <laughs> champion, you know. And then I'll assassinate the vice president. I'll take Seth Rollins down. <laughs> well, like all I will say about those people is that Obviously, they're not viewed upon with a whole lot of love by the wrestling community for having it, done stuff like that. It seems really weird, and it's something I've heard quite a lot about wrestling fans who hear about the whole "is it fake" thing, and they often retort with things like "no people have died," and they give real examples of like terrible injuries, mm. which I can understand. But also, it seems like a bit of a sick glamorization of yeah. like terrible. Like it's not like these people died on purpose. Oh, I know. So they wanted to. Well, I mean, there's been horrible. Yeah, it's a terrible stuff like accident that has and, like, and injuries. To... Injuries happen all the time. Yeah, uh, we're currently like at a point now in summer 2015 where like Sami Zayn, who's a guy who we're both big fans of, he's just had been injured. He's not going to be back until next year, apparently. Oh man! Uh, another guy, Hideo Itami, also amazing oh, wrestler. God. He's gone for like four months. Daniel Bryan is another wrestler oh, who. He's always... past... So yeah, I mean, you do get these very serious, very real injuries, which prevent them from from doing what they, they need and to do. And sometimes it can seriously affect their whole lives. Like oh, we were yeah. watching the whole NXT behind the scenes thing with Corey Graves. And what happened with him was so... He was a wrestler who had concussions, had to stop wrestling, and then all of a sudden, you know, you're out of a job, basically, it would seem. Yeah, but... and he's just lucky that he got to be a commentator or... Yes. Whatever, culture shock he's culture doing Culture shock there. host, yes. <laughs> but, um, so going back to the idea about the booker then, currently then... We deviated away from the whole idea of having a booker because it was decided that one person deciding things usually fell out of favour. One person having the whole say-so doesn't really work. So in WWE, what they do now is they have a writing team, which is basically <laughs> like a committee. And everyone can kind of pick... There's, there's dedicated writers who will like write, you know, they'll write the interviews, they'll write a lot of the promos. There are then kind of the higher-ups then, people like Triple H... And Stephanie, who will kind of oversee large chunks of storylines. It all kind of flows up to the top. And the person who has the final say on everything 
and that's like outcomes of you know uh, storylines, feuds, what we're going to do for people is Vince McMahon. Vince McMahon being the uh, the owner, both on screen and on, on on in real life of WWE is Vince McMahon. And how long has he been doing this now? Vince McMahon has been doing this specifically since 1983 or four. So Jesus, yeah, he's, he's he's rather good at it. So that's in. When people are asking, is it fake? Is it predetermined? Who decides who wins and loses? It's decided by, like most things in life these days, folks, it's decided by a committee that have to answer to an old man. <laughs> Do they have, like, graphs up behind them when they're, like, deciding what happens with, like, synergy written on, like, PowerPoint presentations and things like well, that? Well, you, you do have the kind of thing that where... Obviously, if it's decided by, like, committee, basically, that you can have consensus then that people are kind of like, oh, I don't kind of like this guy. And then, you know, you can kind of... That's good. You know, or, I mean, well, some people may not get a very fair shake of the stick because, you know, in committee, a lot of ideas can be diluted down. Oh, I see. There's lots of fours and against, but that's mm-hmm. basically who decides what happens in wrestling. You know, who's going to win, who's going to lose. In terms of what happens in the match, most wrestlers have got agents... They're now called producers, but they're basically like kind of a guy who says, like, right, this is what's going to happen this match, I think. Depending on the seniority of the wrestler. If it's someone, like, who's been around for years and he was like, Triple H says he's going to wrestle. Like, their agent or their producer is not going to say, you know, Triple H, you should make sure you do this. But if it's someone new or someone young, the producer will take quite a big role in putting together their match in terms of what moves they'll do. Wow. How the finish should come across. So does that mean the producer is also often an ex-wrestler or something? Oh yeah, most of the, if not all of the producers currently are all ex-wrestlers. Jeez. Yeah. So, and they're kind of, usually they pick people who have kind of got a good mind for it. That might necessarily have been the biggest star, but they're the people who know how to get reactions from the fans. Yeah. They know how to make a guy appear like, you know, make the guys come off like they're meant to come off. Yeah. Now if two guys go out and have a match and all this stuff is meant to happen and it's a complete fuck up, they're just as culpable then as the actual producer. So the, the higher-ups will be upset at all the parties involved in those cases. So right. there's actually quite a lot of people who are involved in putting together. You've got the writers yeah. making the story, the agent putting together the match, and then the wrestlers themselves who have to kind of, you know, put it together. How the wrestlers actually do it in the ring then? How do you think they communicate these? Right, okay. Because there's a lot of sequences and moves. The <laughs> example you gave of Sami Zayn and Adrian Neville, they're jumping off ropes yeah. and all kinds. So. Okay, so this is something I've been thinking about for ages. And it's again something I was talking to my mum about today. Um, so I've had a theory, and I may be totally off the mark mm. here, that they... Because I know they don't rehearse the whole match beforehand because they just they wouldn't have time, I'm guessing. One or two wrestlers in history have been known to do that. Really? Yes. We'll talk about those okay. in a future episode. But you can imagine, though, what that would be like if yeah. you have a 40-minute match and I'm like, right, then we do this, then we do this, then we do this, then we do this. I imagine it, that must... Because if it goes wrong, that will really go wrong. Exactly, Because yeah. surely being able to improvise is a really important yes, part. Yes, very, very much so. Definitely, yeah. So the, um, the thing I have a theory about, then, is that what I think they do... I think they have. I've, I used to be. I used to do Ciroc, Okay. Right, which is a type is of. Is that dancing. like sriracha? No. Okay. <laughs> Just how I'd ask. It's a type of dance, and what you do is you have these movements, and you know you get taught the movements in your classes, but you're also taught to look out for slight gestures, mm-hmm. and each gesture indicates what movement you do next, which means you improvise the dance completely. Yeah. But you can tell what's coming next. Right, okay. But it is so... improvisation. So my theory is that they do that, okay. but a kind of wrestling equivalent. That they have some kind of gesture or when they move a certain way. Do you say way... gesture? Do you mean like he's got three fingers tucked no, into I, his sorry, right no, armpit? No, I don't mean or... like that. I mean like um, if they're leaning a certain way and they've got an arm out in a certain position, you can kind of tell what right. they're going to do yeah, next yeah, yeah. because they're pros. Okay. So I th- I'm guessing that's possibly it. For some people, definitely. That's like a communication of kind of like my body's right. in a certain position that means you should come here so there's definitely a lot of that and I think the the amazing wrestlers that are known for being amazing are the guys who can improvise very well yeah. you can obviously tell they can almost read each other's minds almost so yeah. I think that's usually what people say about good two chemistry. guys good chemistry is a yeah. phrase you'll hear a lot and it's the <laughs> same as it we, someone's talking about a couple having good chemistry it's basically like it works quite well yeah. you know they, a lot of unsaid things it, that's how it kind of works usually how it's done if you are just, say, a Joe Schmo, regular wrestler, right, and you're completely by the book, you're not a big improv guy, usually you'll have kind of the big parts of the match. Like, a match is going to have to have a, a finish, obviously, which is the end of the match. Yeah. There's going to be a part, usually, where the good guy gets beaten up by the bad guy. There's usually going to be a part where the, the good guy kind of has some sort of comeback, 
or a part where the comeback is cut short. There's, they kind of put it together in blocks, like, right, we've got five minutes, so in that five minutes I know that you could maybe have a comeback. And you. So they put it together like that. And then basically what moves they do, that depends on the rest of themselves. And they'll kind of have discussed beforehand, right, during my comeback, I'll hit you with, with this move, you know, or that move. Right, I have a question. Yeah. Um, how on earth do the wrestlers... <laughs> this is probably a really stupid question. Yeah. How do the wrestlers know how long they've been fighting for? Because how they long have they... watches. Oh, they've got... that's what the referee is there for. That's the next thing I was going to tell well, how you. How does the referee tell them? The referee's got a headset in his, in his ear. But at what which point is... does the ref tell them how long they've got left? Does he like, whisper He'll kind of give them, like, updates. So, like, a referee will come over to them and he'll be like... You know, you'll see the referee who's always in the ring during a wrestling yeah. match. He'll come over and he'll kind of like, Hey, don't get off! And like that. But he'll probably say... You've got five minutes. Or... Oh, I see. And sometimes, if it's an emergency, they're kind of like, "Oh, something's come up." Yeah. Like they're kind of like, "You have to, you have to finish now." The the phrase "go home" in wrestling means you have to finish up now. So if he says, go, "If the referee says to you, go home," it means the match has to end. Right. And that's that's how wrestling kind of that's how those matches get put together generally. Okay. A lot of the times, if the referee can be used to help relay information between the guys, it says like one guy's on the other side of the ring, he'll go over and say. Right, when he gets up, he wants you to do this, this, and this. Oh, my God. And, and this is decided by, like, Vince McMahon and It's usually decided, again, by the agent, the producer, Jesus. along with the wrestlers themselves. Now, some wrestlers, famously Stone Cold Steve Austin, says he likes to go in with a fishbone slash skeleton, saying that he knows that he wants to do, like, three or four little things, and everything else he'll just improvise himself. Wow. There are really amazing confident wrestlers who will go out and, quote, call it in the ring, which basically right. means they'll decide on the fly, judging from what the fans are reacting to, what they're going to do. I imagine that must be very hard, depending on who you're fighting against. Yeah. Oh, it's, again, you aren't going to see two really shit wrestlers go, let's call on the fly. Well, like one really good one, but the other one's really bad and rubbish at improvising. If, if the guy who's... <clears throat> If the guy's really, really good, like really amazing, and he's confident enough, those guys are usually kind of they're known as like ring generals, which basically oh, they means can they, carry it. they can carry it. Yeah. Carry means basically you can kind of take someone along. Yeah. And if you're amazing, like uh, someone like a Ric Flair, for instance, could probably wrestle me now. <laughs> and even though I've no wrestling training, he could carry me. Would and he be able to make you look like a pro wrestler? Probably, yeah. It's it's a phrase you'll hear about really amazing wrestlers is that oh, he could wrestle a broom to a five star match. Oh. That he could make it look so good that this inanimate object would like come to life. And they should put do that more often. I'd like to see wrestlers fight inanimate objects. <laughs> that would be. Great. So that's generally how matches are put together. Another question, because there's loads of different types of matches. Yeah. Right? I only know, I think, one or two of them. Mm -hmm. And lots of them involve counting. <laughs> to an indeterminate number, it seems to vary from three to ten. Yeah. When they, sometimes they seem to go out of the ring and mm -hmm. then they. The there's more numbers there's more, it's like number confusing. wang basically it's, it's, oh he's gone outside the ring and he's wearing two black boots 18 <laughs> that's number wang <laughs> so it's, what you want to know the general rules almost yeah well yeah what type of different matches okay determine what in wrestling uh, all matches unless stated otherwise are considered to be under normal rules Normal rules are for one fall, okay? One fall means there's one, like, decision. So you either have to... Wait, wait, wait. Fall means decision. A fall means a decision, It doesn't yeah. mean when a wrestler falls over. No, because they will usually fall over several times. Okay, because I thought that maybe meant when the wrestler <laughs> fell over and you're the wrestler held them down. <laughs> the following contest is scheduled for one fall. <laughs> Everyone just leaves going, oh, there's going to be one fall. Brings out a banana peel. <laughs> um, so, yeah, a fall is like a decision. And a decision can either be a pinfall... Which is if your shoulders are to the mat and the referee counts to three, you lose. Right. Okay? That's the most common way. Another way a fall can be decided is through submission. So you can put someone in like a, a, a very... You put their arm or their leg or their neck or something in a very sore position, hold them in a way, and that causes them to give up, basically to say that they quit because they're too sore. So like, you know, um, Charlotte does like the figure four leg lock where she bridges up. That's a submission move. Any move where they're kind of like... And do they get them counted? No, there's no counting with that. That's just... They either say that they give up or they can tap out. And tapping oh, right, out is yeah. when they tap their hand on the ground indicating that they're, they're giving up, okay? Okay. Now, another I've thing... I've never heard a wrestler just go, I give up! <clears throat> yeah, I know. The tapping was kind of a more recent thing. You will probably find that more instances of people being pinned than people tapping because, again, a lot of things we'll talk about now are WWE specific. But in WWE they tend to not have guys give up or tap out very much. 
Because if you give up and you tap out, they view it as kind of like, oh, that's... Makes you look weak. Makes you look weak. Right. And you've got, like, guy like, say, John Cena, whose very motto is never give up. Has he is, never tapped he's out? He's never tapped out in a wrestling match. Well, at least match, he's you know? sticking to his guns, I suppose. Now, if you don't tap out and it looks like you're about to pass out and, like, you're completely dead, the referee will raise your hand up oh, and I've let go that. of it. And if your hand falls slack three times, you've also lost. Because you're unconscious. Because you're unconscious. So if you'll find now they'll often do a thing where someone won't give up but they'll fall, you know, they'll go unconscious yeah. with the pain. They go floppy. You have a ten count. If you fall outside the ring, you've up to the count of ten to get back inside. Is that for all matches? For all matches unless stated otherwise. I swear I've seen so many matches though where they go outside of the ring for more than ten Oh, times. it happens all the time. <laughs> Just wander around. All the time. Go into the audience. Yeah, go get a burger, come back. The, that's the other thing, the referees don't seem always necessarily no the referees are often viewed as being incompetent and (laughs) the little chat I'm having with you now feels like a lot of the referees could do with that chat you know so 10 count to get back into the ring if you go out though right if I roll to the outside of the ring and he counts up to number 9 and then I roll back in and roll back out I've broken the count and it it starts back to 1 then (laughs) it's like a kids game in the playground it is basically no I'm back in no I'm back in you'll see often a bad guy wrestler I've got my toe on the home base (laughs) you can't tag me He's a, you'll see oftentimes a bad guy wrestler will sneak out and he'll like beat up someone and be like, nine, get back in the ring. He'll get back in and then give him a knowing glance and roll back out. And they're like, oh, the veteran instincts of... <laughs> he's such a genius. He's, how did he figure out how to take Ugh. advantage of this? If you're in the ring and you're doing a move which is deemed to be illegal, okay? What, like literally against the law? Against the rules, like no choking, no eye poking, no so low blows. Like murder. No murder. Kidnapping. Because that's no, happened. No home invasion, you know? <laughs> no fraud. No no insider trading, you know? No tax evasion. <laughs> no uh, no no uh, no lying to Congress, you know? <laughs> but yeah, the main ones are poking them in the eyes, pulling their ears, pulling their hair, low blows. So is that anything that again that kids would kind of get told off in the playground yeah, for doing? Basically, you know. Right. Anything you get in trouble with. Now if if you do something like if I blatantly like hit you with a low blow or poked you in the eyes in front of the referee it's at his discretion that he can disqualify me. Okay. If you're disqualified from the match, it means you've broken the rules, and therefore the other person wins. And if I hit you with a chair or an illegal object as well, that would also count. But that happens all the time. I know, but the referee's not looking most of the time. Oh my god. Now, the referee can only call what he sees. <laughs> it's like it's, it's like in there Zelda ain't no the... instant replay in wrestling. It's like those video games where you've got the AI and they yeah. have to avoid the guards. Yeah. And they can only see directly in front of them. It's like that. The referees are like the guards in Hotline Miami, basically. Yeah. Like he will walk to one end and look left and right and then walk back. Yeah, and then, you know, no peripheral vision. No peripheral whatsoever. vision whatsoever. <laughs> Dead straight on, okay? You know? We don't want any referees with wandering eyes. Alright, I've got a question then about uh, illegal moves. Yeah. What about ear flicking? Ear flicking is not deemed to be illegal as far what as I know. What about wet willies? No, actually. There's been a few bully type characters who've done yeah. stuff like that. The referee... You know, often see the referee will just complain. He'll kind of go, Ah, God, don't do that. You kids. With what about your... a wedgie? Wedgie, again, not illegal. This is all my discretion. I'm sure senior referee Earl Hebner might disagree with me on this one, I'm folks, trying to think but... other things that I used to do to my brother when... Uh, we there is kids. another thing, though, which if you're doing a move which the referee is deemed to be illegal, which is either... Oh, hitting him with a closed fist as well is also meant to oh, be Oh, I didn't allowed. know that. Yeah. Okay. So that's also meant to be illegal. I swear I've seen that quite a lot. Oh, it happens. Well. But say you're in the, you know, if a guy gets to the ropes, okay? You know, the ropes around the ring. If a guy gets to the ropes in any instance, if he's in a submission move or you're grappling with them or he's been pinned, if you get to the ropes, you have to let him out. That's it's called let a rope break. The fight or you know, let, like if you're pinning grass. me and I get my hand on the rope, you have to stop pinning me because I've got a rope break. Okay, and again, that's something I've seen so many times. Yeah. but they don't let go. I know. Now, if you don't let go, the referee can then start counting. All right, and you're like, if he reaches a five count and you're doing something wrong, so they're allowed to do this illegal move for five counts. Yeah. So say you've got me in a submission, okay, and I and I get to the ropes, and the referee's like, right, Kevin's got to the ropes, let him go, and you go, no, I'm a bad guy. He'll count to five. five more seconds. For five more seconds. Now, if you go for four seconds and let go... That's fine. You're in the safety zone. What about if you do use the tactic you mentioned earlier about getting out of the ring and getting back in again? What if you, like, let him go and then quickly grabbed him again? I think the referee wants to see a clean break in that instance and will make sure he gets to his feet Have you got, like, a time limit until you can get them back into that... Like a cool-down pace? Yeah. Usually they have to reach their feet before that happens. Okay. Okay? Now, there's a famous wrestler, um, Daniel Bryan, obviously, someone we'll talk about in a future episode... But he was an infamous uh, when he was on the Indies. 
that he would do an illegal move to the count of four and then turn very sternly to the referee and go, I have till five, referee. And like the whole crowd would all say it with him because it was kind of, it was goofy. <laughs> trying to think if there's other, there's one or two other rules, little ones. Yeah. If you get knocked out completely on your feet, you know, and you're, you're lying down, you've been completely KO'd. Like in boxing, there's a 10 count to get to your feet. So they have to be unconscious then for that to You have to be like completely no signs of life, like on your back. What if they're on their back and they've got their eyes open? I'm not sure. It's the referee, again, has his discretion. <laughs> Usually they'll do that when both men have knocked themselves down. The referee will start counting and, like, who can get to their feet first. Oh, okay. But matches, generally, 90% of the time, will end in a pinfall. Or usually what's known as a, a screwy finish is, like, an undefinitive, like, if you lose by count out, like we mentioned, or disqualification or something like that, that's been known as a screwy finish, and that means it's not a real kind of... If I beat you by disqualification, it's not viewed as, like, you've actually beaten me then. All right, then. Okay, another question. Why do the wrestlers fight? What's their motivation? Yeah, what, what's their motivation <laughs> in this scene? Yeah. What's with all the fighting, you guys? Can't we just get along? What's the point? The point of it is... Right, the word you will hear a lot in this podcast, Joanna, is kayfabe. When I'm talking about kayfabe... Kayfabe means that assuming that the storyline is real and we're protecting the business and we don't want anyone to know that it's fake. Shh. Okay? So if like if I'm we're talking kayfabe, it means that the storyline is real. So if I say in kayfabe... So that's like saying canon. Is it? Yeah, more or less. In kayfabe, Triple H hates John Cena. IRL, they'll probably go golfing together. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Share stock tips. Yeah. Probably on there. So in kayfabe, why do the wrestlers fight? In kayfabe, they fight because they're all contracted performers for this wrestling league. They all make so much money. The accepted belief is that if you win, you get more money. Okay? So again... you. But that want... doesn't happen then. Well, no, they don't, they don't. I mean, because it's predetermined. You're on a yearly contract oh, or whatever. Okay. You get money for merch. We can get into that in a, later on or another episode. But um, they're fighting for... For one, for the prestige of winning, and for two, for getting more money. And also to win a championship title. Now, there's a number of championship belts in WWE. There's the main belt, which is the World Heavyweight Championship. Everyone aspires to that. That's, like, what you want. Okay? That's, like, if you are a man and you are wrestling, that's, like, the top prize. Yeah, because the women can't have that one, can they? No. Although they have wrestled for it before. There's no rule really? saying that there could never be a female champion. There just hasn't been. They just, again, it's accepted as being, like... Right. The, the, the men's kind of uh, arena, so well, to speak. it hasn't got butterflies on. No, it's not got sparkles Sorry. and butterflies and a unicorn. No. no, it looks far less like Bailey's tights than... I, uh, I wouldn't want it. It doesn't go with my outfit. So the reason why would you want to become the WWE champion? If you become the WWE champion, you're basically the, the, the spokesperson for the company. You're the best. You make the most money. You have the most prestige. You're the top guy. Right. And most people are fighting to get up there. And along the way, people usually have personal differences. You cost me a match. You stole my girlfriend. I didn't like the way you talked about me on commentary last week. Or some other reasons, like, I kidnapped your dog and I killed him and made you eat him. You know, those That's not a thing. That is a thing. Oh, Jesus. Sorry, folks. Yeah, I know. So It's only episode one. It's not even that. It's the pilot. I know. I'm sorry. You know, that's what happens sometimes. I'm not sure I can go on from here. It's just like dog abuse. No, it, Horrible. Much worse things Was happen. Was it an actual dog? Well, it didn't actually kill Did the actually... dog. Oh. But, you know. But just so you know wrestlers have personal differences and they manifest themselves in many ways right. and thankfully they're all contracted to wrestle so they usually settle their differences there the other belts there's the united states and intercontinental championship which are usually kind of viewed as being like the middle of the road kind so of less good less good kind of silver and bronze almost right. originally they would have been seen as if you won that that meant you'll probably win the world belt later on but okay. these days they just they're kind of meaningless and so the world belt is that is there an American belt? Seeing as there's the United no... States Championship, which is the one you just mentioned, then so that's oh, okay. That's still not a. But that's not the same as the world. No, they're separate. Right, and is the American one, the United States Championship, yeah. considered better than the Intercontinental? It would truly actually be viewed as being worse. Usually, really? the Intercontinental would have been viewed as being higher up than the US belt. Interesting. Belts. Yeah, and. The other one as well which you've mentioned is tag teams. Wrestlers don't always fight one-on-one. Sometimes there's two of them fighting two of them. Sometimes there's three fighting three. Tag team rules are very confusing. Tag team wrestling, two versus two. There's a championship title for that as well. WWF used to be... Sorry, WWE used to be incredibly famous for its 
tag team wrestling whereas in recent years it's less of an emphasis if with tag team wrestling do yeah. they share the belt they both get a belt so there's oh, two nice. tag team belts yeah okay yeah and in tag team wrestling again more or less the same rules except you know you've got another guy there they have to tag in while holding the little tag rope that's mm-hmm. beside there only the legal man in is the man who's been tagged so only he can pin someone or be pinned right. that kind of thing so that's basically generally the rules of it in terms of the structure of the show i don't want to get into specific storylines because obviously you know it can change very very quickly yeah. you know Generally speaking, though, you have an authority figure of some sort, someone who's kind of like representing the interests of the company or is in charge of the show and needs to make the matches. They're usually a good guy or usually a bad guy. Which the last 200 years has been Vince McMahon, right? Yeah, Vince McMahon is like the tippity top. But at the moment, summer of 2015, we have the authority or, or the kind of the main guy. Oh, guys. the authority. The authority or the authority, which Imaginative. is Triple H who is married to Stephanie McMahon, the daughter of Vince McMahon. And they actually, IRL, have a lot of clients with the that company. Gets, so. That was so confusing. It's very confusing, was, where you have yeah. people who are, in real life, like Triple H and Stephanie were going out on camera before they were going out in real life. That's really weird. Then they got married in real life and divorced on screen. You know, it's it's very confusing. Are they remarried then at the moment? On in in kayfabe. In kayfabe, they never remarried. In kayfabe, they're kind of like, of course you know that we're married. Right. So they kind of like again their short time memory. So they kind of like were like, obviously that was fake, you idiots. <laughs> that was wrestling, but this is real, obviously. So yeah. It, it can be confusing in that sense. But you've got good guys and bad guys. Good guys are called baby faces, or faces for short. That's a ridiculous word. It is a ridiculous I word. I can't say the word... I can't refer to a big, muscly man as a baby face. Well, it's easy with someone like John Cena, who does look like <laughs> he has he the face like of a, a baby. And the, the body of Arnold Schwarzenegger. Yeah. And the bad guys are called heels. Yeah. So, but like calling Daniel Bryan, who has like a what, massive beard, a baby face, it's yeah. just so funny. And I mean, really in terms of how the shows are put together, obviously you have your weekly show, we mentioned Raw is the main one, there's all those other ones we mentioned as well, where kind of lesser feuds will play out, the main one is Raw though, that's where the, kind of the big bulk of the story will happen. And they usually build to a pay-per-view at the end of the month, and the pay-per-view is usually where the feud is either settled or it gets escalated so does the storyline from, like, say, Raw continue yeah. on with, like, other shows throughout yeah. the week? So SmackDown will will have a lot of recaps of what happened on Raw. They might oh, move it yeah. over a little bit, the storyline. So it's kind of like, you know, on Raw, you did this. Well, let me tell you something. Tonight I'm going to do this. So to get the full experience, you kind of have to watch them all? True, but if anything important happens, they you'll get it in recaps. It. Yeah. That's the thing about Raw being a three-hour show now. They really put all their eggs in one basket by watching. If Raw is like where it happens, they know that people mainly watch Raw. They don't do much on SmackDown now because, yeah. again, it's just... They there's show no off with some kind of like 15-minute, really short, edited... They do do that. Really? Yeah, um, Afterburn was what they've had, bottom line, they've had various versions of it where they just kind of do a compact one-hour show where they give you the week's highlights. Oh. And I think there's something like that on the network at the moment, I believe. There's something along those lines where it kind of sums up, it's like this week in WWE. That'd so. be really useful, because I often have no idea what's going on yeah. in storylines. Right. One other thing we should probably mention then uh, in this episode, a little brief history. We've talked about WWE, okay? WWE is the the main guy. Yeah. Why is it that we're doing WWE? Are you aware of any other companies out there? Um, let's see. Okay, now I'm probably going to put my foot in it and say something that's not a company, it's like a t-shirt brand. Big old wrestling. <laughs> I know of... Big Kahuna Wrestling. <laughs> uh... <laughs> I'm sorry, if anyone out there wants to start an EFED called Big Kahuna Wrestling with me, tweet me, okay? <laughs> Let's make it happen, brother. Um, ECW, is that one? Yeah, that's one. I was I, I was possibly confused because isn't the old men who came in WrestleMania, they've got a name that sounds a bit like a wrestling company. Yes, the NWO. Okay, now that's that's not sounds, a company, though. No, it does no. sound like... I mean, they're all initials, like WWE, yeah. ECW. Um, oh, God. There's one that Paul Heyman runs, or is that ECW? That's ECW. Okay. There are others. Yeah. Uh, I'm sure if you say some, I'll remember them. Did but... WCW? Did you oh, yeah, that one? yeah, WCW. I've seen you wear a t-shirt with that on there. Yeah. <laughs> God, don't tell anyone. I'll lose all my respectability <laughs> around these parts. Right, well, okay. Way back in the prehistoric ages, before the 1980s, there was low every state, basically, in the country of, of America. We're focused on America here, folks. 
had its own territory. And that territory was just like a little mini wrestling company where they had local stars, local guys, all building them up. They were all part of this kind of this kind of affiliation this, that tied them all together called the NWA, which was the National Wrestling Alliance. So you basically had like... Is that 40, like the UN? More or less, like 40 or 50 independent organizations, but all with the same goal in mind, which is that the NWA was... That's how we want things. And they had a champion. The champion would be from one of those territories. They voted together to decide who the champion would be. I'm just saying this would make a fantastic reality TV show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where you vote in, like, it's, it sounds like the <laughs> politics behind vote it. Vote for the champion, yeah. <laughs> so they, they voted for the champion, then that champion would go around to the other territories, and whoever the top guy in that territory was would, would face on. on the champion. And right. that would that would mean you would get big business, because obviously they all have their own little TV shows and stuff like that, but the main business was in a live show. And if you have... Holy shit, the champion, the champion, Ric Flair, he's coming to shitty little Arkansas and my hometown boy is going to challenge him for the NWA World Championship. Like they would, they would do big houses at these shows because people wanted to see their guy from the territory beat the big champion. Big houses means a lot of people in the Yeah, uh, a big house is like a lot of people in the audience right. basically, okay? Gotcha. And that was the kind of way it went for centuries it would seem like year and they nwa were very good at keeping wrestling secrets they maintained when was K-Fate. this as well because like what kind the, of 40s 50s 60s 70s so when vince mcmahon was only like 70 yeah so you know way back when <laughs> back when vince mcmahon was in, still like a mortal young man. and spry <laughs> yeah before vince mcmahon got like the uh, time crystal that lets him be eternal in the mid early sorry in the early 80s the man who ran the New York Territory, which at the time was called the WWWF, the Worldwide Wrestling Federation, which was run by Vince McMahon Sr., he had his oh company purchased by his son, which is Vince McMahon Jr., the man which we all know. Right. Vince McMahon Jr. bought the territory. And the idea was that you buy the territory, we'll keep the NWA going, you know, you'll vote, you'll have your guy here in New York... And then they'll go around the country and the NWA will continue. But Vince McMahon was a rather ambitious fellow. And he and his wife decided that they wanted to take the the New York territory, which was quite popular. They wanted to take it national. They I'm sorry, to be... this reminds me so much of like, I don't know, Breaking Bad or <laughs> It is. There's a lot of scheming because this was like, he bought a company from his father, technically under false pretenses. His father swore to the NWA that his son wouldn't compete. I want this to be like a Netflix original drama series. It definitely. So badly. Brian Cranston is Vince McMahon. I'm just saying. <laughs> it would work in that, no. you know? Definitely. As his dad with Aaron Paul as a young, naive <laughs> Vince McMahon. God damn it, what happened to the territory? I gave it to Vince Jr. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, Vince decided he wanted to make the company national. Mm-hmm. And he was very, very smart. He saw that all these different territories, from all the way up in Canada, all the way down to Texas and South Carolina, they all had these big stars that were in these little shitty territories. And he basically went right to all of them and said, look, I know you're a big star. We're going to start off something huge here. Okay, he had a big concept, big national. He got all the top stars from all those territories. And he made the WWF, the World Wrestling Federation, which basically was like a greatest hits. All the best top talent all all of a sudden Vince had under one roof. And Vince McMahon was then able to, because he was a very good promoter, was able to negotiate himself primetime television on NBC, which was not, not, national TV was not, not even fathom at the time. Cable TV, Vince McMahon saw coming. I was like, this was going to be a thing. And he was able to get advertisers, TV time. And instead of back in the territories, they would have to pay to get on TV. Vince McMahon all of a sudden was getting millions of dollars to make his wrestling show. And then he just started touring around and everywhere he was going, it was like, hey, do you want to see the one guy you like? Or every fucking wrestler, Hulk Hogan, Roddy Piper, you know, all, all the top guys are all under Vince's roof. So Vince McMahon basically drove the territories out of business. He bought up a load of them. The NWA still exists to this day. Right. But it's a shell of its former self. I see. Because They're all really old they men are, like in their hundreds. Basically, there. that's what it is. Jesus. Now, NWA helped with billionaire named Ted Turner. He, uh, he invented CNN. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah and Turner Network Broadcasting. Uh, 
he started his own wrestling company called WCW in the oh, okay. and that was formed with the NWA and they were WCW and that was the main rival for Vince during the mid to late 90s. I have a question. Okay, how old was Vince when all this when he was doing all this? When he like took over the company from his dad and kind of put everything on the line and yeah. went national, he would have been in his early 30s maybe? Wow. Okay. He's quite a young man. Like he he put on he put everything on the line though. He like you know, mortgaged his house to put on the first WrestleMania. Jesus. And he made big gambles, like the first WrestleMania, for instance. So it wasn't really a big thing at all before him. It Everyone loved wrestling. Everyone watched wrestling. But wrestling was not viewed as a national thing. Yeah. Wrestling was viewed as local. Of course, you know, wrestling, this Sunday down in the Sportatorium, this Sunday down the road. Are right. you going to the wrestling? Of course, yeah. But no one was like on a national platform. It was a local thing. You know, it was, it was again, like the difference between having big Premier League football and just the kind of the local football team. Right. If you know what I mean. That's what Vince did. He made it become this larger than life thing. So he had obviously some competition in the 90s from WCW and Ted Turner. We'll have whole episodes on this. This is just potted history, folks. And But he eventually became victorious and he put all the other wrestling Wait, companies... Wait, who did? Vince became victorious. Right. He put all the other companies out of business. He ended up buying WCW... And he actually also bought ECW, which is another company from around the same time. So you're basically looking then in 2001, Vince McMahon owned all of wrestling. There was no competition left. He bought up his two main organizations who were opposing him. All the history of WCW and a lot of the history of NWA is technically under WWE's umbrella. Because they own WCW, you see. You said it was called WWWF. F. Yeah. Then WWF. Then WWE. Right. What? (laughs) WWWF was what Vince's dad called it. So when it was a territory and okay. it was just a regional thing, it was the World Wide Wrestling Federation. Then from like 1984 all the way up until 2002, it was the WWF, World Wrestling Federation. Okay. I grew up with the WWF. All my toys and t-shirts had a WWF yeah, logo. Yeah, I remember growing up, like the few people I knew who watched wrestling... I remember when it changed to WWE yeah. and everyone being up in arms about it. Do you know why it changed from WWE? Is WWE? it because of the little the charity organisation with the panda? Yeah, World yeah. Wildlife Fund. Yeah, I thought yeah. so. And I think they explained it away like at one. They thought that they could get away with just calling themselves World Wrestling Federation and stop calling themselves WWF. Right. And then it was just like no, it went to court and surprisingly they went against it there was a period of time they had to go back through all their old footage and blur out every WWF logo that there was wow. they don't have to do that anymore but I've got DVDs that have just got blurs all over them because of the WWF logos nice. so they're WWE now which is World Wrestling Entertainment which in fairness seeing as they're the only guys around calling themselves a, a widespread brand like that as opposed to a federation which implies that they're one of many so hang on what does it stand for now World Wrestling Entertainment oh Okay, right. Yeah, that makes more sense. Now, a big thing that Vince did when he went national and took it away from his father was that he did the horrible thing. He killed his father and cold blood. He killed his father's dream by revealing that wrestling was not real. Vince McMahon came out and said sports entertainment that it's not real. Oh, I see. The outcomes are predetermined. And he basically made people like other promoters showed up to Vince's shows with guns to kill (gasps) him. And this isn't kayfabe. This no, is, no, this is, this is real life. This is real life, as in Vince McMahon changed everything. And then he made it national, he took all their stars, and then he went and he told everyone, by the way, it's not real. And it, it really hurt because a lot of those smaller territories, all they had going for themselves was their supposed legitimacy. Right. And that, you know, the local fans maybe might have been like, had a whole lot going for them other than kind of like, oh, look, there's the wrestling and all that. And if all of a sudden it is fake and we're saying it's definitely fake, it's so, it, like, people suffered a big time because, but again, you can't deceive everyone forever. It had, no. you know, very, for me, the very concept of everyone trying to agree that wrestling was fake and not tell anyone. It seems so ludicrous that they managed to go for so long. It, I'm really surprised, actually. I suppose that just wouldn't happen now. Like, in the age of the internet, that just wouldn't exist because people would, you know... Vince was ahead of his time get, in that sense. Yeah. Like. I may as well do it on their own terms rather than wait for some kind of expose that's like... Yeah. Everyone's suddenly like, wait, what? And what's kind of really sad for me is that you see like some of like the big stars of like the 50s and 60s and they're like, to their dying day will be like I fought that man for that championship for real jeez you know I was fighting for my life every night you heard stories of wrestlers okay he might have been injured 
on TV and then coming home to their family wearing a neck brace, looking at the TV, kind of going, like, I have to get my revenge. Like, that's how seriously people took the kayfabe, so to speak. Oh, my God. But that brings us to this point now. WWE, I mean, there's been other companies that have come up, cropped up, but no one has challenged the dominance of WWE since 2001. It's been, like, 14 years of smooth sailing. Wow. Obviously, there's been tragedies along the way. Other stuff has happened. But in terms of them being the number one undisputed, and with the network coming out, they're basically trying to, you know, that's them again trying to change the the landscape. Yeah, they have all the content. It's I know? find it really interesting actually. Vince McMahon, I'm assuming I'm assuming he's the one behind. Well, I mean, either way, him or Triple H, they both seem to be incredibly way more savvy than their mm. characters. As it stands currently, on. Triple H, who we mentioned previously, seems to be the heir apparent to Vince yeah. McMahon, who is at the moment he's just past his seventieth birthday, I think. So yeah, <laughs> knowing wink, seven hundredth yeah. birthday. That's not a. That's an old. That's man. not seventieth. That's not th. That's a, that's the power of three. He's I'm, way older. I'm than just that. saying, Vince McMahon has an oil painting in his attic. <laughs> We all know what's going on there. <laughs> <laughs> oh, goodness. So, that's a potted history of wrestling. Right. We're going to have whole episodes of How to Wrestling where we're going to look at, you know, the territories in full depth. Or look at 80s WWF or WCW or ECW or those other <laughs> companies that maybe have cropped up. www.net.wwwf. But that's it in a, in a nutshell. So, I think you know, we will have people kind of go, oh, but there's other wrestling companies. Well, we understand that. But in terms of trying to get the snapshot and understand wrestling as a whole. The the keys to the castle are with WWE, yes, I'm afraid. It's how-to wrestling, not overwhelm everyone with way too much information that's going to scare them off forever. Exactly. Well, I think by gaining appreciation of WWE and kind of figuring out the stuff that you like along the way, you'll be able to look at those other companies there with a bit of knowledge yeah. and kind of go, oh, because you're not going to learn about the history of, the re- of wrestling through other companies. Right. It's only really through WWE because they have that lineage. Yeah. The WWE Championship that Seth Rollins has on his shoulder at the moment in summer 2015, <laughs> you can trace all the way back to, like, you know, the 40s. Wow. They can say, this guy about that guy, then that guy about that guy, then that guy. And it, that's that's really cool. Right. You know, the fact that they can actually trace the lineage back. Yeah. So that's, it does have the history. Yeah. And there's a legitimacy to that. So that's, uh, any other questions about the broad strokes of wrestling? I don't think so. Yeah. I think I think I've asked all the questions I have about broad strokes of Yeah. So I mean I think that's kind of us setting the place so to speak. The first topic we're going to do for how to wrestling is going to be We're gonna do John Cena. Uh theme is never gonna get out of my head. Ever. And the reason we're going to do John Cena is it's because... because we've had his theme stuck in our that's head. That's it. The only way we can get it out is by doing him as an episode. We've been cursed. John Cena is unquestionably the number one star in wrestling at the moment. And we need to figure out a lot about John Cena. Now, here's what's interesting about how to wrestling. And we're going to... Hopefully, this is going to be what makes this podcast unique. I don't want to just tell Joe my opinions on wrestlers and types of matches and try and make her think exactly like me. Yeah, just tell me what to think. No, don't do that. There's a lot of different opinions out there about lots of different wrestlers, okay? So what we're going to do for each wrestler we do a feature on, so first one being John Cena, is we're going to pick their five big moments or matches or whatever. We're going to go through those. But what we'd like you, the folks at home, to do is to tweet us in at how to wrestling with the number two that's important at how to wrestling tweet us in your thoughts on whatever the topic is so then joe can look at them and get the kind of variety of opinions that are out there about this person or this topic so this one's going to be what how to john cena yeah how to john cena so if you tweet us using the hashtag how to john cena with the number two okay how to john cena and then just give us your brief little snapshot what are your thoughts on John Cena? Who is John Cena? What should Joe know about John Cena? Okay? So if you can try and give her... And because it's Twitter, folks, you're going to have to be succinct. So Yeah, 140 characters or less. And I know most of the wrestling fans listening to this will have explosive opinions of the man. Very yeah. explosive opinions. They're going to have to summarise. So you're going to have to summarise. Or we're going to get sent some lengthy Twitter essays. Likewise, if you if you think there's like a standout moment or a standout match that you think we should watch to gain an appreciation of it, okay, 
tweet that in with us as well. But use the hashtag HowToJohnCena and tweet us at HowToWrestling and we'll hopefully get to put together a full picture of what this topic is all about, it being John Cena. I'm really excited for this. I think it's going to be cool that the fans will be able to input and we'll be able to feed back to them. I'm excited. I'm, I'm happy to finally find out why John Cena waves a hand in front of his face all the time. Yeah, or it has says, a little tea towel. you can't see me. Is he like a ghost? Well, just sitting there going, we clearly can. <laughs> I can obviously see you. Yeah. You're right, that you look like a big toddler. So I'm really excited about that. If you want to keep up to date with How To Wrestling, find out when new episodes are coming out or what the topic is and how you can tweet in and, you know, let us know your thoughts on whatever it is, at How To Wrestling on the Twitter. And of course, use the hashtag How To, whatever the topic may be. So this week, it's going to be How To John Cena. Also, facebook.com forward slash... How to wrestling? How to wrestling? Head over there if you want to start a conversation. You again, we'll put up a thread where you can give us your thoughts on John Cena. Send us some info on the man. Send us some matches, some highlights, things like that. Are you excited? I am. I'm excited. I don't know anything about John Cena. Yeah, so. he's there all the time, isn't he? Yeah, I was really surprised when you were like, yeah, this is going to be the first episode. And I was like, what? Yeah. Why? I mean, I know who he is. I saw him on Scooby-Doo meets WrestleMania. <laughs> Whatever. You've got him on a towel upstairs. I do. I do have him on a beach towel upstairs. So. <laughs> Along with like Triple H and some other people. Yeah. Well, I think we've had a nice run through there of... The broad strokes, the basics, okay? We know the rules of wrestling. We know how the wrestlers put the matches together. We know a little history, and we know how the show is structured. Do you feel a little bit more confident in the broad strokes of wrestling, Joe? Oh, yeah, no, I've, I've learned a lot. I, I wasn't sure I would in this first pilot episode. But Anything that was particularly surprising for you, maybe? Not surprising as well, except the stuff you were saying about all the history of, of with Vince McMahon, all that stuff is... It's a lot more dramatic than you would think. Yeah. It sounds... Fake. And folks, I guarantee you, within the first ten episodes, we will do one on Vince McMahon. Okay. I bumper special episode. <laughs> I'm so excited for that one. I'm so excited. So okay, that's gonna be a goodbye from me, Kevin. And a goodbye from me, Joe. This was How to Wrestling. Hopefully, you know more about the broad strokes of wrestling. And don't forget, next episode, hashtag How to John Cena. Let us know your thoughts on the man. I can't wait to delve into it. But we'll uh, see you again. See ya. Thanks very much for listening again to How To Wrestling Pilot Episode. If you have any thoughts or feedback, make sure you hit us up on our social media, as we hinted to earlier. Also, as well, this should be up on iTunes by now, so make sure you get subscribed in there to get all new episodes directly. This episode was edited by Joanna Graham, and also the music was provided by Sam Chaplin. Thanks very much for listening to How To Wrestling, and we'll see you next time.